Good afternoon, brothers and sisters in Christ. This afternoon, the scripture reading is taken from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 8. Reading from Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had been set in his presence, have not been set in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad, when the city, the place of my father's grace, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the Lord, the God of heaven. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant was, has found favour in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's grave, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. This is the word of the Lord. Church, shall we rise as we have the Gospel reading? The Gospel reading for this evening can be found in the first chapter according to the Gospel of St. Mark, beginning at the 35th verse. Glory to Christ our Saviour. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, reading from verses 35 to verse 39. And the Word of God says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go. To the next towns that i may preach there also for that is why i came out and he went throughout all galilee preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons this is the gospel of christ praise to christ our lord shall we bow our heads as we commit this time to god father in heaven as we enter into your presence we pray lord that you incline our hearts to your word Open our eyes that we may behold what you have to speak to us today. Unite our hearts to feel your name such that we may be obedient to your word. We ask all this to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Judge, will you please be seated? Reuben, there's a little bit of echo. Can you adjust? You know, church, I'm sure many of us may have been stuck in a dilemma, in this situation where we seek guidance over a particular issue. Yes, we may pray to God about this issue, 
But yet, there seems to be no answer from the Lord. In fact, it seems that this patient waiting seems to be so unbearable that it may cause us to have much anxiety. And we may even end up lamenting like the psalmist in Psalms chapter 10, verse 1, where the psalmist says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? We desperately want to do something to solve the matter, but we hesitate because we are unsure if this is the correct response from God. Is this the right time? Is this the right decision? And perhaps some of us today are facing such a predicament right now. Well, as an encouragement, know that you are not alone. Because as we continue in our study of this person, Nehemiah, we find that Nehemiah is an example of such a person. He wants to know the answer from God over a certain situation. And as we explore today the actions of this man, we can gain valuable insights as to what is needed for us to follow and to move in sync with God's timing. But before we do so, I think it's critical for us to once again recap the context by providing a clearer understanding of the situation. And if you recall from the beginning two weeks ago, when we first started the study of this book, we know that the Jews at the time, they were conquered by the Persian Empire under King Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah was one of the many in exile, but he was somehow specially chosen to serve as the king's cupbearer. And we are told that at the beginning of uh, chapter 1, verse 1, that during his service there, he received this rather bleak news from one of his brothers, Hanani, that the walls and the gates of Jerusalem were broken and destroyed. Now, to get the sense of how Nehemiah felt, think of it this way. You know, it is like you have been posted out of Singapore due to work commitment, and while you're overseas, you suddenly hear the, receive the disheartening news that, you know, all saints, the building work, maybe perhaps, you know, we want to rebuild the, the, the fellowship hall to a nice three-story building, you know, we have gone ahead with the plan, and then suddenly you hear of this saddening news that the church building work has ceased, but worse, it is not able to function and continue on. I believe the reaction, of course, is one of huge disappointment. And not, not surprisingly then, you find that this piece of dismal news greatly saddened Nehemiah to the point that he did the only thing he knew. We are told that he turned to the Lord in prayer, asking to work in the heart of the king to somehow, you know, support the rebuilding project and also to ask God to give him the success in his endeavor. And so with that, let's pick up now the story as found in our reading for today. <clears throat> and so by the time we come now to chapter 2, we are told that five long months would have already passed on by since Nehemiah received this grim news of the plight of his homeland. But what did this man do during all these months? Well, to be sure, Nehemiah wasn't idling about. Rather, as we are, if you recall last week, what Pastor Mabel has shared, Nehemiah, during this five months, he was praying and he was waiting patiently to see and trust in the Lord's direction. This then is the very first step to take if we want to be in sync 
with God's timing. But you know, the problem is this. Many of us, and I must admit, including me, we, however, we are so, though we may be accustomed to waiting, you know, in Singapore, we're always waiting. Huh? We're waiting in, a, in, in queues, we're waiting in traffic jam, we're waiting to buy your latest handphone. Though we are so accustomed to all this waiting, waiting to us seems such a hassle, isn't it? It seems to be a total and complete waste of time. Why? Because in our society, we are more used to be on the go. No wonder we find that we have a lot of instant things today, yeah? Things like instant coffee, instant tea, instant noodles, instant information. But you know, here's the thing. Though we dislike waiting, I believe God has a purpose for us in waiting. You see, there is value in waiting because, where, because waiting brings about that calmness of the soul. Waiting brings that calmness of our hearts that keep us from wanting to rush about and trying to do something in our own strength what God alone can do. Waiting causes us to pause, causes us to say, hold on, take a back seat. Don't rush into things. You may be doing the wrong things. Trust in the Lord. And you see, Nehemiah, like Nehemiah, God may want you and I to go through this process of waiting as a test of our faith to learn to trust in Him. Thus, it's important that we must know not only how to weep and pray, we must also learn how to wait and pray. In fact, you'll find that scriptures have several verses offering the support of this matter that we need to wait and pray. And just to give you a few, we have Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Here in the incident where we are told that when Moses brought the people out of Egypt and they were escaping from the Egyptian, they came to the Red Sea and they were at a crossroad. What were they doing? They, 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 they didn't know what to do. Moses cried out to the Lord. And the Lord told Moses this, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The word from God to Moses was to stand still. Wait, trust in me, don't worry. The Egyptian may be coming behind, but wait and trust in me. Another verse in Ruth, chapter 3, verse 18. We are told, Naomi told her, her daughter-in-law Ruth <coughs> that when they came back from Moab, there was a famine, you know, and they're wondering what will God be doing for them. The words of Naomi to Ruth was this, in Ruth chapter 3, verse 18. Wait until you learn how the matter turns out. We want to know how the matter will turn out. Will it be good? Will it be bad? We want to know the answer now. But Naomi's answer to Ruth was to wait. And then, of course, we have this well-known passage in Psalms 46, verse 10, where the psalmist tells us, to be still and know that I am God. Hence, you'll find that in all of this, waiting is a picture here of one who is completely trusting in God. So when we wait on the Lord in prayer, we are not wasting time at all. On the contrary, when we wait on the Lord, we are actually investing in it. And God is preparing both you and the circumstance so that His purpose will be accomplished. 
And you know, Pastor Mabel has just introduced to you the talk that's going to come up by Pastor Priscilla. And it's a good time for us. Silent retreat is a time where we wait and be still in the presence of the Lord. And very often, you know, for some of you, you may struggle if you were to try out this first time because it really takes you time to be patient, you know. But this is what God wants us to do, to slow down, to trust in Him, to listen to Him, not to rush into the things that we want to do. So let me recommend you that if this is the first time you're trying to do it, why don't you take it as a trial? Learn to learn to trust and to be patient in the presence of God. <laughs> so that's the first thing Nehemiah did. He waited and prayed for God's guidance. Now, let me also say that at the same token, after you have waited, after you have seek, you have prayed, and when the Lord has spoken, when the right time approaches, we must not be indecisive. When you know that God has spoken, when you know that God says, now is the time, we must not delay in our responding. And you'll find that in the case of Nehemiah, the right time was now. So coming back with me to the passage, you find that Nehemiah, verse 2, was coming into the presence of the king to serve him his wine when Arthaxerxes happened to notice that his cupbearer was carrying a burden. Verse 2 says this, And the king said to me, Why is your face sad? Seeing you are not sick, there is nothing but sadness of the heart. Now, I want you to bear in mind that had Arthur's been in a bad mood, you know, he would have been finding a new cupbearer. Nehemiah would have been immediately be banished or even been executed. <laughs> you see, when you serve the king, you cannot put on a grumpy or unhappy face. You have to put on an attitude of willingness to serve. But somehow, at that point in time, I'm sure Nehemiah didn't intend to show his, you know, his sad face. But somehow, that sadness in his heart, Arthur's happened to saw it. And he somehow asked Nehemiah, why was he sad? No wonder we are told in the second part of verse 2 that Nehemiah was afraid. Because as I mentioned, if the king was in a foul mood, his life would be taken away. But not today, not this time. Instead, you find that the king continued in verse 2 to surprisingly inquire from Nehemiah what was in his heart. And Nehemiah, sensing that, you know, this was the time, what did he do? Without fail, verse 3 tells us that this man quickly relayed the news to the king. And then, when the, and then when the king further inquired what Nehemiah needed, oh, this was an opportunity too good to be missed. Here was all the power and the wealth of the kingdom wrapped up in this just one simple question. Knowing that what was troubling Nehemiah and the king asked him, what can I do to help you? What would you have done? What Nehemiah did was he boldly make his request to the king. As we sidetrack for a moment, I want you to contrast the earthly throne of Arthur Zerzes with the heavenly throne of God's grace. 
You see, while Nehemiah had to wait for an invitation before he could unload his burden to the king, we as Christians, on the other hand, we can come to God's throne at any time and present to Him with any needs. What a wonderful encouragement, isn't it? While the king could only see sorrow in Nehemiah's face, our Lord Jesus can see our hearts and even know the pain and feel them as well. And finally, when subjects approach the king's throne, had to be careful in terms of their attitude. God's people, you and I, we can come to him whatever that is troubling us at any instance. So let this be an encouragement for us that as we compare the, the earthly throne of Artaxerxes and the heavenly throne of grace, we truly have a God who cares and would willingly open up himself to us. But anyway, back to the text. Now that Nehemiah knew that this was the time, the opportunity was there, he boldly went to ask the king, what was it that he requested from the king? Shockingly, you find that in the verses follow, Nehemiah didn't make one request. He didn't make two requests. He made a total of three appeals. Daring of him, isn't it? Why? Because he knew that he was in sync with God's timing. So what was the first thing he asked? Firstly, we are told that he had this audacity to seek the king's permission of leave. Verse 5, he says, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you sent me to Judah, to the city of my father's grave, that I may rebuild it. Now, I want you to know, Nehemiah wasn't requesting, you know, to take a day of leave or one day or two, you know. He wasn't asking for a compassionate leave or, or something like that. He was not even asking, you know, to, 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 to the king to give him a week or so. But it says here in the passage, he asked the king for an unspecific number of days, although the text doesn't indicate how long it is. But if you think about it, if he was to go back to his city to rebuild the walls, the number of days of leave he's requesting is a lot. Because, don't forget, where was he? He was in Susa, in Persia. And Jerusalem is a few hundred miles away. So that would take, without modern transportation, I don't know, maybe a few months. And then to think about rebuilding the walls, how many days do you think it would take? I think it would take months. And again, bear in mind, there's no modern technology. So it could be many months, it could be many days. And this would only mean that the king will need to go through now in the process of finding another trusted cupbearer to fill Nehemiah's role. It was such a hassle. But yet, Nehemiah boldly asked the king for permission of leave. And if this was not enough, you are told that he next requested from the king this in verse 7. He says this, If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to governor of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. Now, these are letters which are actually letters of protection, guaranteeing Nehemiah safe travel and hospitality for his trip to Judah. <coughs> Why was this important? Remember, Nehemiah was not a Persian. 
Nehemiah was simply a Jew in exile. So he couldn't just roam about the country on his own. Because if he would move from one town to another town, people would be suspicious and say, who is this Jew, you know, that, that's roaming about? What is his business here? They may even think that he's trying to run away from the king. So unless he has some letter of approval from the king, he couldn't just go about doing his business. So he needed this letter of protection. And so he went to ask the king for this letter. But then again, what use is it if he was granted the leave of absence, if he was given the letter of protection, but he has no resource to work with? It's useless, isn't it? The king may give him a leave of absence for two years. The king may give him the letter of, of protection. But if he has no resources to rebuild the walls and the gates, what good is that? No wonder we find that he round up by requesting next a letter from the king to provide materials that is needed for the reconstruction work. Verse 8 says, And a letter to Asap, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates and for the walls. Nehemiah was literally asking for a blank check. And you know, <clears throat> amazingly, if you look with me to verse 8, what was the king's response? Verse 8 tells us that Arthur Xerxes granted everything, everything that Nehemiah requested, the king gave it to him. What can we learn from this narrative? I believe it is this. It is when we as God's people, when we as God's leaders, when we learn to wait and trust in His timing before proceeding, God will work with us. Think about this. If Nehemiah had moved ahead of God's timetable, if he had decided to say, I think the time is now, before sensing that this is the right timing, guess what will happen? I believe he would not have been succeeded. I believe his, he, he, he would have failed, no matter how well planned his plans may have been laid out. In fact, as I already mentioned, he could have easily been eliminated by the king. But at the same time, if he had not responded to the right timing that God had given to him, Nehemiah would have missed the opportunity and the rebuilding work would not have been successfully carried out and the city walls would still remain in ruins. But because he knew that the time was right, because he was in sync with God's timing due to that time of waiting and praying, he went to ask the king for the three requests and his request was granted. And as we turn out, as we continue to read on the story of Nehemiah, we find that in chapter 6, verse 15, the success of Nehemiah could be seen where the walls were eventually completed in a record of 52 weeks? No. 52 months? No. 52 years? No. It was completed in a record of 52 
days without modern technology. How is this so? I believe this is so because Nehemiah moved in God's timing. Because he moved in God's timing, he was successful in the things that he did. But another important question that we need to ask ourselves is this. How do we know when the right timing of God? Well, again, if you look with me to the passage, we discovered the answer. You see, what did Nehemiah first do upon receiving the news? Chapter 1, verse 1 immediately tells us that he turned to God in prayer. And as I mentioned earlier on, for the next five months, he spent the time praying. And friends, that's the secret. Prayer. And then we move on in verse 4 of this chapter. We are told that when the king asked for his request, you find that Nehemiah gate immediately turned to God in prayer. You see, when you have spent enough time in the presence of God, you will know his timetable. You will know when is the right time to act. You will know when the right time to respond. When God doesn't move, we don't move. I think that's a very simple principle. When God doesn't move, we don't move. And we see this also in the example of Jesus. In the gospel passage that I read to you in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 and verse 39. And to bring us into context, you find that in this passage of Mark chapter 1, this was the beginning of Jesus' early ministry. We are told that he went about doing many things. And in this particular section, we are told that Jesus went to this town. And as he went to this town, there were many who were sick, who were, who, who, who were demon-possessed. And as he went there, he began to heal many of these people. The Bible says very clearly that Jesus healed many. All of the people who were sick came. All came, but only many were healed. Meaning to say there were still some people who were left, not, not, yet, not yet been healed. And so naturally, if you're one of those who were healed, you know, or rather you're one of those that were there but were not healed and you see your friends being healed, you say, hey, I want this healing also, isn't it? Yeah? So what happens? We are told that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 35, that the very next day, the people all begin, those probably who were not healed but saw their friends being healed, begin to line up to find Jesus. They wanted to be touched. <laughs> and Peter, you know, began to see the crowd lining up. He began to be all excited. He went to find Jesus. Lord, where are you? Come on, you know, there's a big crowd lining up. We can continue to heal this, you know, do this great job, you know, and we'll be able to finish by lunchtime and then we can celebrate and have a joyful time. Peter thought that this was a good thing to do. But notice, I want you to notice the response of Jesus to Peter. <coughs> you would think that Jesus would reply, Peter, you're right, it's a good thing. Let's continue to do the job. But look at the response of Jesus. Jesus told Peter this, Let us go to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Did Jesus didn't want to heal that, those who were not healed? I think not so. But why did Jesus respond to Peter this way? <clears throat> the answer is because in verse 35. What was Jesus doing in verse 35? He went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. He was in silence. He was in stillness. He was waiting upon the Lord for God's direction. 
And as he prayed and he waited, the Lord directed him, go to the next town. So church, we may be excited in wanting to do the right thing, but if we don't spend that time in waiting and praying and seeking the Lord's direction, it may not be the right thing. It may be a good thing, but it may not be a God thing. You know the difference? A good thing may not be a God thing. I'd rather do the good thing, or rather, I'd rather do the God thing than do the good thing. So here's a classic example. <coughs> we need to wait for the right timing. And so as we close, I believe today maybe some of us will be in this situation where you are perhaps unsure when's the right time over particular decisions in your life. You may be caught in the dilemma and you don't want to be out of God's timetable. We can learn from Nehemiah that all we need to do is to patiently wait in prayer. And when you pray and when God finally reveals the opportunity, the time, don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. Act on it immediately. Do something about it. And here's my challenge for all of us here in All Saints. Do you believe that God is moving in our midst and doing something? If we believe that this is so, that God wants us to move out of our comfort zone from where we are in our status quo, if we believe that this is what's going to happen, that God is doing something right now in our midst, my question for you is, what is your response? Are you going to be in alignment with what He's going to do? Or are you going to remain where you are and insist that I'll just continue to do my own thing? I'm happy with the situation here in the church. Because, listen, if we don't move, in sync with God, we will miss the opportunity and the success will be gone. Nehemiah waited, he prayed, he seek the Lord's direction, where he knew that the direction was there, when he saw that God was leading him, he became in alignment with God's plan and he moved. My challenge for us is as a church, may we all move in sync with God's timing. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the example of your servant Nehemiah. As you did for him, Father, we pray that you instruct our hearts to deeper prayerfulness, to have a greater longing for your kingdom to be established. Help us to have less regard for our own personal comfort. Lord, we pray that you help us as, as we seek you, as we see what you are doing in our midst. Help us to put away the baggage that we hold on to. And help us to come into the alignment to what you are doing. Help us to put our hands to the plow and say, yes, Lord, I want to do the things that you are doing here in our midst. So, Father, may your word today speak to us. May your word today challenge us as we desire to fulfill the vision that you have given to us to be a church that is so grounded in wanting to evangelize, in wanting to disciple people. 
So we thank you as we give ourselves to you in Jesus' name.